Why is it that with sparkling water, I'm always playing guessing games with what flavor I'm drinking? Is it citrus? Is it aluminum can flavored? Mm, not sure. Sparkling ice, though, they really mean flavor. Like in-your-face flavor. Orange mango, black raspberry. Don't even get me started on the strawberry lemonade. Kiwi Strawberry slid right into my taste buds DMs last night and let them know who's boss. No subtleties there and no sugar either. But it does have vitamins and antioxidants. Find sparkling ice at a major grocery store or club retailer near you. Sparkling ice. Anything but subtle. Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life, featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. Here is Esther, hauled off to the capital, hauled off to be entered in this pageant to maybe become the next queen of Persia, right? But remember, the other sad news is if she fails, if she doesn't become the next queen, She'll spend the rest of her days in this harem, which is essentially a women's prison. She'll be far from family. She'll never be able to go back and hang out with Mordecai, her loving uncle there. She won't be able to spend time with family at all. She's stuck here, essentially away from the rest of society. Now, she could be queen, but she could be nothing. Well, it says there in Esther chapter 2, in Esther chapter 2, that Esther is hauled off to this harem, and it says there that she finds favor with the head of the harem. It was a man named Haggai. And it says there in Esther chapter 2 that when Haggai sees Esther, when she's taken to the royal palace and put under the authority of Haggai, who was overseeing the women, it says in verse 9 that this young woman pleased him and she found favor with him. Now, do you think it was just chance that she found favor with him? Do you think it was just good luck? Now, remember, I told you, right? When you listen to the story of Esther, God is never mentioned. But I asked you, remember, to look for as much as you can where God is in the story. And here, right here, you see God, right? Because do you think it's just luck, coincidence? No. God is working behind the scenes. God's working in the heart of Haggai. So when he saw Esther, he was like, wow, maybe he was impressed with her beauty. I also wonder if he was impressed with her character. I personally think there was something different about Esther than all the other women. I think she was a follower of Yahweh, and that shines through. And I think, you know, maybe she didn't get as mean or or snotty or stuck up, you know, as the rest of these beautiful beauty contestants. And Haggai could see that. I just want to encourage you. It's interesting that Esther does not get caught up in the gift of beauty. Some of you have been blessed with the gift of good looks, you know, the gift of physical attraction. And sometimes you can get caught up in who you are and, well, look at me, I'm wonderful. And, and you know, you, you expect people to always go, wow, and you can get to your head and your head can get huge. Some of you have been given the gift of athletics and some of you have been given the gift of brains and you're really smart. Some of you are funny. Some of you are artistic and 
you know, when you take that gift, whatever it is that God gave you, and instead of acknowledging him, instead of always saying, Lord, how do you want me to use this gift? How can I turn it back to you? Instead of thinking of it that way, you let it get to your head. And you get all cocky and, you know, you make fun of people who aren't as athletic as you, who don't do as well playing sports as you. Or again, somebody who isn't as attractive, who maybe has some physical difficulty and you snicker behind their back. That's not right, you know? It's not right at all. And instead of thinking, how can I use this gift, whatever it happens to be, for the glory of God and his service, we tend to get a little bit self-focused. Well, not Esther, I don't think. I think when Haggai saw Esther, number one, I think the Lord is working in his heart. But number two, I think he sees something different. Now, remember, I told you, right, she was under the guardianship of her uncle Mordecai. Well, it seems that Mordecai had reached a certain level or some sort of rank in the Persian government because it says there in Esther that Mordecai was able to interact at the king's gate. He was able to talk with people at the king's gate. What that essentially meant was it was the Wall Street of its day. That's where all the big business was done. That's where all the important transactions took place at the king's gate. What also says in Esther, in Esther chapter 2, that Mordecai was able to come into the court of the women. And this is where the women in that thing called a harem, this is where they were kept. Mordecai was able to at least come up to the gate. I think he must have had some sort of rank. Maybe he was some sort of official where he could come that far into the palace. And I think he watched. I can imagine he comes up to this fence, you know, and he's looking through. Maybe he sees one of the harem women walk by and Mordecai goes, hey, 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 come here, come here. And they ignore him. And maybe somebody else walks by, hey, hey, come here, come here. And then finally, one of the women inside this court of the women hears him and, and, and he's whispering, hey, come here, come here. Finally, one of the women comes over and, and he asks, hey, hey, do you know somebody named Esther? No, I don't know anybody named Esther. And they keep on moving in. Hey, hey, talks to somebody else. Hey, hey, come here, come here. Do you know somebody named Esther? And then finally he meets probably a girl who says, Yes, I know Esther. Oh, Esther's the greatest. Esther j just helped me the other day with my hair. Esther helped me the other day to pick out some clothes. Yeah, I know Esther. And Mordecai goes, Hey, will you get her to come talk to me? I really need to talk to her. So this woman goes off and finds Esther. And then Esther comes and comes, I can imagine, near the gate. And she sees Mordecai. Oh, yes, it's her uncle. It's basically her father. And yes, she's, she runs up to the gate, Mordecai. And she's so excited. And Mordecai goes, shh, shh. Esther, Mordecai says, Esther, I've got something really important to tell you. And 
Esther likes it. Yeah, yeah, I know. And and, and Mordecai's like, shh, Esther, be quiet. In fact, turn around. I don't want people looking at me. Turn around. Turn away from the fence. I don't want anybody to know that we're talking. Listen, listen, I've got to tell you something very important. And Esther's like, all right, what is it? What is it? Do not tell anybody that you are a Jew. And Esther's like, what? I'm proud to be a Jew. Why, why would I not tell him? And he's like, shh, shh, do not tell anybody that you are a Jew. And Esther's like, well, man, if I do that, basically, uh, I'm, you know, is, is that a lie if I don't tell somebody I'm a Jew? What about if somebody asks, don't say anything? You've got to lie. Don't say anything. Because listen, Esther, the Jews, we are hated by the Persians. And I'm scared what might happen if Xerxes finds out you're a Jew. See, because remember, the Jewish people were basically invaded by the Babylonians and hauled off back to Babylon. And over the years, the, the, the Jewish nation had been dispersed all over the world. And some had settled there by force at first, but some have decided to stay there in Persia. Now, some, under a king named Cyrus, were allowed to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild. But there were many Jews like Esther and Mordecai who decided to stay. But they were often persecuted. They were often mistreated and Mordecai says hey Esther I want you to hide your faith I don't want you to tell anybody that you're a Jew now the thing is we're not supposed to hide our faith they knew the stories of Daniel right he stood up for his faith and he would not eat of the king's meat he was bold remember he bowed down and prayed and he didn't care who saw him he he risked death to live his faith out loud and here Mordecai's telling Esther keep it quiet hide your faith now I want to encourage you that the book of Esther is not a how-to book on how to live morally, right? Instead, the book of Esther is telling a true story about imperfect people that God uses despite their failures. And this is a book about a God who keeps his promises and uses people who, who sin, and, and he uses them despite themselves, this isn't right when Mordecai asks Esther. And Esther probably should have stood up for her faith, but Mordecai encourages to keep it quiet, to possibly even lie. I think it should be a good encouragement to us that God uses people even in their faults and even in their sins, you know? Well, Esther says, all right. So she, she goes back to the harem. And I think Mordecai, it says he went in and out and back and forth to the women's court. And I think he was able to chat with Esther, maybe on a daily basis, maybe at least weekly to check in on her. Because Esther goes into the harem in December or around December or January. And then she spent, and all the women of that 400 who were taken, right? 
They all go in December or January, and then they spend the next year going through beauty treatments. Now, some might have gone in November, some might have gone in October, but it seems like Esther entered the harem December or January, and then the next year spends a whole year becoming beautiful and going through all these beautiful treatments. It's interesting, the word there that's translated cosmetic talks about how, how Esther went through all these cosmetic treatments and they gave her cosmetics for her face. Well, that word cosmetics is literally the word scrape. You know, we think of cosmetics as the stuff that you put on your eye, eyeliner or stuff like that. Seems back then cosmetics sort of had this other idea that they scraped and they got rid of all the dirt and all the dead skin. And then it says she went through eight months of oil treatment. They would put beautiful smelling oils on her skin and maybe she bathed in oil and eight months of that. And then it says there in Esther that she went through another six months of being bathed in beautiful smells and aromas. I mean, this sounds pretty fancy. This does not sound painful at all. And again, Haggai is working behind the scenes and because he loves Esther and is impressed with her. Maybe he gave her the best cosmetics and the best makeup people and the best scrapers. But she basically spent a year of spa treatment. And the other thing Haggai did, whenever Xerxes would come around to look at the women he had to choose from to be queen, it says there in Esther that Haggai made sure that Esther was right at the front so that Xerxes would not miss her and see her. And it also says that Haggai gave Esther seven women to wait on her and to take care of her during all these treatments. So during this whole time, she's being treated well by Haggai. She's going through all these beauty treatments. And then at the end of the year, she comes finally before the king. This was it. She had her turn to go into the king. This was it. Would she be picked as the next queen? Would she be King Xerxes' next queen? Or would she be banished to that harem? And it says that once you were rejected by the king, you were taken to this other harem that was run by this guy named Shegaz, and you were never heard from again. So here we are, the end of that year. Here's her moment She's about to go in. And it says that Esther asked Haggai to pick out for her the best outfit. I think this shows her character. Because I think a lot of the women thought, hey, I know how beautiful I am. And I know what looks great with me. And I can pick this out myself. She goes to Haggai, hey, you know Xerxes better than anybody. You know what colors does he like? What sort of dress does he like? She asked for help. And I wonder if Haggai was just shocked that one of these women would ask him for help. Hey, I want to encourage you. Don't be afraid or too arrogant or too full of yourself to ask for help. 
asking for help often shows wisdom. Some of you, you don't listen to anyone. Some of you act like you are the center of the universe. It's my ideas. It's my way or the highway. I will do what I want. Me, me, me all the time. Proverbs 31 talks about the perfect woman. You know what's interesting? It doesn't talk about her physical beauty at all. But instead it focuses on her heart, who she is character-wise. I think you see this coming through with Esther. Well, here Esther asks for Haggai to pick for her a dress. And I can imagine, instead of fighting with the other women, hey, hey, I want this dress, you want that dress. Instead, she listens to someone else. Haggai, I can imagine, goes through all the racks. Oh, well, let's do this. Let's put that with that. This color. Oh, and let's put your hair up. As Xerxes likes women with their hair up. And the multitude, the Bible says, in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. And here Haggai knows King Xerxes, and he picks out the best outfit, and he picks the best makeup. And then he spins her around, I can imagine, and he says, yes, you are ready to be presented to the king. So it finally came up to her moment when she had to go into the king can imagine Haggai looks at her and says, you can do this. You can do this, Esther. And Esther takes a deep breath. She goes in. And then she comes out. Then Esther says, the book of Esther says, she goes to join the harem of Shegaz. And that's it. You know, and I wonder how long the interval was before they found out. Remember, Xerxes had to look at roughly 400 women, right? How long does that take? It took her a year to go through all these beauty treatments. I could easily see that taking at least six months to a year to go and look at 400 women. I mean, there's there's only 365 days in a year. Can you imagine? And I wonder, what was the interval of time between when she went into the king and when she came out? Is Esther picked? Is Esther not picked? And I wonder if Haggai paced back and forth. What's going to happen? Oh, no, I really love that one girl who's so different from the rest. I hope she wins And then finally, the announcement goes out. And I imagine all the women are gathered. Like I said, roughly 400. They're all gathered for the big announcement. And I can imagine the king is sitting on his throne and there's a band playing. You know, they got an electric piano and a ukulele and they got some cymbals going and they got this you know, band with great pomp and circumstance. And then, you know, finally the announcer comes forward and says, all right, the king has decided that the next queen of Persia is... And there's a drum roll. Queen Esther! Ah, And the whole crowd cheers and gives applause. Yay! Yes! And... And I can imagine they put a sash on Esther and and maybe confetti falls and maybe they put a big crown on her head and some of the women run up and they pretend to kiss her and they pretend to go, oh, that's so wonderful because they know their lives are over. It's pretty sad. Maybe they're all crying. I can't believe I lost, you know. 
They probably hated her. I don't know. But then it says in Esther that the king, he is so happy with his new queen, Queen Esther, that he declares a feast. Now, remember, King Xerxes, he liked to party. And he liked to have any excuse to get drunk. Well, hey, I just got a new queen. Let's have a party. And so he calls a feast and he names this feast Esther's Feast. You know, I always thought, wow, that's not the most creative of titles, you know. But hey, Esther's Feast. And then it says that Xerxes, in honor of his new queen, also canceled all taxes. For a certain period of time, people didn't have to pay their taxes. Talk about a party. Yay! We get a drink, we get to eat, and we don't have to pay taxes. All to honor Esther. So, Esther is now the queen of King Xerxes. She talks to her uncle Mordecai on a regular basis. And now, you know, she's no longer in the harem. She's probably walking around the palace. She's probably trying to set things right. Later on, Mordecai finds Esther. And maybe he's not in the palace yet. Maybe he's still talking in what I call their secret spot. And Esther comes over. And I can imagine Mordecai says, Hey, Esther, Esther, listen, listen, listen. I have news for your husband, for the king. And Esther says, What, what, what could it be? Then... Mordecai says, listen, I was down at the king's gate. I'm working in my office, packing up for the day and putting stuff away. When, when all of a sudden I hear down the hall, I poke my head out and I look and I see down the hall and I see two men. One of them, his name I overheard was Big Thumb. And the other guy's name, his name was Terish. And, and and I overheard them. I don't think they knew I was there, Esther. And I overheard them arguing. But get this. They were arguing about how they were going to kill the king. And you know what's even more important, Esther? Big the and Terish guard the king's throne. They're the king's bodyguards and they're deciding how they're going to kill the king. Well, it says that Esther cries out and she runs and she finds somebody to talk to somebody because she can't just run into his presence. And later we'll find out that going to his presence was not an easy thing, but she gets the message to him that Bigtha and Teresh are out to kill the king. You know, it's interesting. And Persian kings were always under the danger of assassination. And later on, Xerxes, he gets killed by one of his officials. One of these assassination attempts on his life actually works. Well... When Xerxes finds out from somebody who tells somebody who, hey, I hear from your queen Esther, and she was told by Mordecai that Big Thun and Teresh are trying to kill you. It says there in Esther that he searches out that situation completely. I can imagine they grab Big Thun, they grab Teresh, and they throw him into prison, and they found out all their conspirators, and they found out that, yes, this is true. 
It says that Xerxes researches the matter completely and finds that Mordecai is telling the truth. And Xerxes foils the plot. And then it says in the book of Esther that Bigtha and Teresh are impaled in front of the whole crowd. And what that meant is they would take this big spike and they would take the men and they would stick them on this spike. And whenever people were walking past the court, they would see these people impaled on these poles. It was a horrible way to die. But it also sent out a message to everybody walking around. Hey, if you mess with the king, you're going to end up impaled on this pole, just like Bigtha and just like Teresh. So don't mess with the king. It says the king was so impressed with how he discovered this plot. He was so impressed how it was foiled that it says that King Xerxes, or one of his scribes, writes it down in a book called the Chronicles of the King. And it says there in the book of Esther that he notes in the Chronicles of the King that this plot to kill him by Big Thun Teresh was discovered by Mordecai. The king writes it down and notes Mordecai discovered it. And then he promptly forgets about it. And you wonder why. Well, I think... The reason he forgets about it is because there's somebody else there in the palace. There's somebody else, this man who hates Mordecai because he knows that Mordecai is a Jew and he hates the Jews. And I wonder if this man he saw the king recording this detail that would give honor to Mordecai, this Jew. And maybe he distracted the king and got him drunk, gave him some alcohol, got him to not even think about it. And then he took this book of the Chronicles of the King. And he doesn't just file it here. He files it way back in the darkest, dustiest reach of the library he can find and he shoves it on the shelf far away from the king so he will never hear of this Jew this man he was sneaky and he was full of hate and he wanted to see every Jew and starting with Mordecai, he wants to see them die. And you know who this man is? This man? This man is... Come back next week. As we continue to hear the exciting story of how God used Esther and Mordecai to protect his people. To see them delivered. And how ultimately at the end of the day. All praise and all glory goes to God. Because we know that our God. He's a promise keeping God. Baldhead Bible Podcast is created by Dr. John Katzian. Music composed and performed by Elijah Katzian. 
edited by Linking Katian. If you would like to listen to more Baldhead Bible Podcasts, please subscribe. New episodes added every week.